All right, welcome to another episode of the Agile for Agilist podcast. My name is Drew Podwall, and I'm here as always with our co-host, Brad Nelson. Hello, fellow Agilists. So Brad and I were talking, we're trying to figure out, actually, we had no idea what we were really going to talk about today. (laughs) And uh, we were bouncing around, yeah, (laughs) bouncing around a bunch of ideas and Brad, you had a great idea, so why don't why don't you introduce the idea? All right, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't all mine. It built off of our conversations and our debates that we said we weren't going to have without recording, uh, but here we are. So uh, yeah. today, we thought it would be good to discuss uh, certifications in general, in the field, in our industry, because it's a topic we see come up a lot. Right? You see it on LinkedIn, you see it on Reddit, you see it in Agile groups, and the question is, you know, what certification should I get? And I would say there's even a question before that, that a lot of times people have already answered in their mind is, should they even get a certification? Or what methodology of the certification, you know, as well. Right. So um, I don't know, I think a good place to start, the thing that that sparks the most interest to me, at least, or that I hear a lot of is the PSM versus the CSM. And I go both ways on that one, mm-hmm. right? Like I have my, I think it was 2000. 16, I got my CSM, I got my ACSM, and then I just recently got my uh, CSPSM. And I've been kicking the can around for about the past like couple of months, you know, debating, do I want to do the PSM? And the answer is yes. It's just a matter of like taking time for it. But what do you think about right, the nuances between the two? Yeah, it's a great topic. And it comes up a lot because I got my CSM first with my last organization, but my current one is a scrum.org partner. And so we had multiple scrum.org trainers on staff, which means that we taught those lessons. And so those are the ones available to me. Those are the ones we encouraged, we sold, we supported. And when it comes to the training itself, I don't recall it being overly different. I mean, there were years between them. I also had, I felt like a really great instructor for my CSM. The biggest thing at the time, the reason I got my CSM first is that it was more popular. Like it's been around longer. Organizations tend to recognize it more. Sometimes it's even in a job rack, you know, must have CSM. Sometimes they say CSM or equivalent, but the CSM is kind of the staple certification. And in my mind, and from my experience, a certification is better at getting you in the door and getting you past the, the resume machine that they're using and HR more so than necessarily proving like, Hey, I know this and someone's going to hire you just based on that. So to me, the popular one was the win at the time. Now I will say the PSM is harder. The test is harder, right? That's subjective. Like it was really easy for me. I'd been practicing scrum for years when I took it. But there were more questions and it was harder and there's a higher fail rate. So some people say it's better because of that. The thing that I personally like about it is that you don't have to take a class to take it and it's relatively cheap. See, now that's where you and I differ because I like the fact that the CSM m- means that you have to be in a classroom, right? To me, that's that that that's a pro mm-hmm. because you know the thing that I worry about with PSM certified scrum masters is that, you know, yeah, the test is really, really hard, right? But, you know, you can't test culture, right? You can't, you can test a person's ability to have the right answer, Mm -hmm. right? But you can't test their mindset around how they actually 
are interpreting the right answer culturally. And so the thing about the CSM that I like is that you have to sit in a classroom and you know, hopefully you're sitting in a classroom with a, a good instructor that um, is is teaching you both, you know, the the scrum part of of the CSM, but the the agile manifesto from a standpoint of like culturally what it really means, you know. Right. And uh, but the other side of that coin, right, is is that like with the CSM, you can show up to the class, kind of phone it in. And because the test is significantly easier, you're going to pass. And so like, I kind of wish that, like, I think the PSM's test is right where it needs to be from a difficulty level and hurdle. Mm -hmm. And the subject matter is, is right where it needs to be. But if the PSM, you know, required you to sit in a classroom with a trainer, then I think that would be a good one-two punch, right? And and that's that's where my my money would go to. Yeah, I definitely see that point of view. I so one, I, I was raised poor, and both of us don't have a formal education, right? So there is a little bit of that uh, establishment or anti-establishment mindset that I have, but also just that barrier, right? Like I I hate when money is a barrier for somebody to get into our industry or get into our field, and I mean, let's face it, two days you're not going to be an expert. In fact, I, I wish it wasn't called Scrum Master Certification because it's like, oh, I took a two-day class. Now I'm the master of Scrum. I'm looking up right now how much it costs. I'm curious. I haven't done this in a while. Let's see here. Let's I think see. it's like 1500 Wow, that's a lot. Okay, so I just saw there's a Black Friday sale on somebody's site for like three ninety nine, but who knows what the actual quality is. Um, but yeah, that is a lot. I don't remember it being that much, but then, you know, I'm, I'm old as dust. So, and I took it a while ago, but <laughs> no, I get that. Right. Like the other thing to, you know, just to throw it out there, if there's any veterans who are listening, right. Um, every time I've signed up for a certification, I reach out to the, to the training company and I, I'm like, I'm a veteran can, you know, you give me a break. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then also, you know, like there's a lot of companies out there, most of them nowadays, I think they give you a training budget of like, you know, maybe a thousand dollars a year or, you know, $500 a year. Um, and a lot of people don't use that. Right. They just, you know, kind of, you know, um, but if you're paying for it out of pocket, then absolutely cost is, you know, or if you're brand new, if, like you want to break into scrum, which I see a lot of, uh, um, people talking about this day, these days where they've never been in software, they've never been a project manager. Um, and for some reason they've heard about, what it's like to be a scrum master and they're trying to figure out which certification to get. And, um, but, um, I get that, you know, the thing that I've always said though, is what you get in training, or at least the value that I've always gotten from training is it's the isms and the anecdotes of the instructor, mm -hmm. right? So, um, it's the stories that the instructor is telling you that's relatable. That's, you know, that helps you to kind of believe like that there is actually a company out there that, you know, is doing scrum as it's written in the scrum guide. And, and so that when you go off on your own, that, you know, you have, you know, some anecdotal evidence to stand upon and, you know, a few like witty coach isms to be able to, you know, throw around the room. Yeah. So, I, so the other thing I guess to, to consider as well is that now scrum Alliance requires you to have SEUs to, to maintain your certification. I'm torn on education units, period. I, I think that they have good intention behind them, 
but they're so hard to truly like track and monitor and make sure that people are continuing their education that it almost just feels like a hoop or a hurdle to jump over. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like something that is not like easily, pr- like they're not asking for you for like concrete evidence. They're not asking you for like, you know, for you to take this and get it signed by the instructor who led the webinar or whatever it is. Right. And so it, it's, you know, but, um, you know, I get that. There's also what the PSM, do you have to pay to renew it at all? Or is it a one-time fee? It's a one and done. So then the question is too, Hey, I took it 20 years ago. I don't, I don't think they've been around 20 years, but you know, I took it a minute ago. Scrum guides changed. It's changed yeah. quite a bit. You know, the thing is like, I think where, where the shade for me comes on the PSM a bit is that there were a few engagements I was on where the scrum masters were PSM certified and not CSM certified. And their interpretation of the scrum guide was just completely off, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like completely off. Um, they were definitely still project managers in, in, you know, um, scrum master disguise or maybe the other way around. I don't remember, but you know, yeah. um, and it's not that I haven't seen that with the CSM, I just don't know that that stood out to me at all. Oh, you know? I, I've seen it with both. And and that's the reason why at the end of the day, I'm not like super pro certifications. I have a million because I, I could for free. So why not? And the whole, like you said, get us past HR. And I truly did learn in those classes. They truly were topics I enjoyed. But whether you take the class or not, you're exactly right. So many project managers can pass the certification, especially a first level where it's just knowledge based and it's less on culture and it's less on behavioral or, you know, what's the best way to solve the situation. And then I hear, oh, well, I got 20 years of experience working in Agile because they have 20 years of experience as a project manager and I have my CSM or PSM, right? You know, I'm super senior and I'm awesome. You should hire me instead of, you know, this person like myself when I was first starting out where I only had a few years of real Agile experience. It, it does complicate the situation, I guess, is my is my purpose of my rant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a, as a tr- I, I've done training before. I've done, you know, Scrum master and 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 product owner and DevOps training, and there have been times where there have been people in my classroom that were just not ready for this, right? Or mm-hmm. they they weren't getting it. And I've you know I've made an offer to them to say like, hey, you know, we've got a couple options here, right? I'm I'm happy to give you a full refund, but I I, I can't let you continue with this class because I just don't feel like you're you're looking at this through the right lens yet, mm. you know? Mm. Um, but then the other option I, I throw out there is like, you know, the other side of the coin is, you know, I, I will refund you partially for this, right? And uh, um, as long as you're willing to continue to, you know, work with me in a small group session for the next like couple of months, you know, t- for some mentoring, then we can move forward, you know? Interesting. But, I, I just, you know, there's the ethics of it for me as a trainer, right? Like, and I've like definitely been on engagements before where like I worked for a big consulting firm and the, the client that we were um, consulting for wanted us, they were, they were tired of spending the money to have us do the training and they wanted us to certify people in-house so that they could have in-house trainers do the training. And, yep. and those in-house trainers were, they'd never worked in software before. They were never project managers. They were definitely not agilists. They were just people who were part of the corporate training division um, who had educational degrees, you know, uh, education degrees. 
And, um, and I watched them do the training after we certified them and it was just missing the entire soul of things, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, you know, I didn't have any say in that. I wasn't part of, you know, training them, but, um, and it made me cry, (laughs) (laughs) but I, but I really feel like, you know, there's, there's a big ethical component to what we do. And, and that's why I kind of like the CSM a bit more because, you know, to get your CST is really difficult. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's, not an easy thing to get your CST. And I really feel like the CST, like you don't, you see PSM certification workshops all the time, like that you have to pay to to take. And there's no governing body that says who can offer a uh, PSM study group. There, there's nothing that's preventing some Joe Schmuckatelli, um, you know, from standing up uh, or Jane Schmuckatelli uh, from standing up uh, a, uh, a study group. And, you know, they're teaching the material that's going to help them get the right answers. But, you know, how do we guarantee that they're, they're you know, providing the, the culture, the soul of what it means to be agile as part of that training? Yeah. I don't know a lot about paid study groups. I've known, like I've heard of it. I, I don't know regulations or companies go after them or not. I do know to get your PST is quite involved. I think the CST is harder. From my understanding, the CST, you kind of have to be friends with other CSTs. Like you kind of have to be popular. You have to, absolutely. I've kind of been going down this road a bit. And you, you know, you, you definitely need somebody who's, who's going to bring you into their inner circle and take you under their wing a bit. And, uh, but like, you know, along the lines we were talking about, like when I was like last month trying to figure out, do I want to take my PSM or not? The first thing I did was, you know, I wanted flashcards. I wanted flashcards that I could hold in my hand. And I was like, somebody out there must have made flashcards. Now, like I could could find like flashcard apps, right? And then I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll just look for books. The thing is, is that like you go on Amazon or any of these websites and there's like a whole myriad of books that are called PSM study guide, Mm. right? But again, like it was really hard for me. I I didn't successfully find, like I was looking at reviews. um, I was looking at like what people said. Some of them didn't have any reviews at all. I would try to Google the author and find their like LinkedIn page. Like some of them, when I found their LinkedIn page, didn't even seem like they were agilists at all. They were just like authors. And and so, you know, to me, I still go back to this idea that at least with the CSM, there's a face-to-face gateway who's the trainer, who hopefully has some ethics and, you know, is is making sure that everybody understands the true meaning of Christmas, <laughs> um, you know? Something else, and, and maybe this is too tangential, you tell me. But that is interesting to me, and it's kind of come up in our coaching conversations as well. You you hit on, hey, this education department at this company, right? we taught them how to do it. Well, the reverse, I don't know how much education training or thought goes into these training programs. Yeah. Um, wait, do you mean the actual like training programs that companies like Less and... and, and uh... any, any, like Scrum Alliance, Scrum.org, any of them where you have a trainer, like I know there's train the trainer programs and that sort of stuff, but how much of that is on facilitating the materials and just knowing your stuff as opposed to here are techniques that enable learning in people? Okay. Well, so I've got some thoughts on that actually. Of course I do. Um, 
So first of all, it, like recently I started going down the path of trying to figure out how to become a CST, mm. right? And um, in order to become a CST, you actually have to present your material. Like, so Scrum Alliance as a trainer, they don't give you a deck mm. that you then mm -hmm. take that deck and you're like, all right, slide number one, slide number two, you have to create your own material. Interesting. Um, and, and so in order to become a CST, you've got to first create your, your material, right? And there's very specific criteria. I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember what it was, but it's, it's, they break it down. I think there's three criteria for each of your lessons that, that they're looking at. And it's, I think it has something to do with like a tactile activity, like auditory, um, you know, and visual, uh, but that, that's totally, I butchered it. <laughs> But yeah. so they're gauging you like big time on your presentation skills. Now, the other thing is, is that, and it wasn't mandatory, but right after COVID hit, right, SAFE, right? So I'm an SPC. Mm -hmm. SAFE created a, a course for how do you as, a, as an SPC conduct the SAFE certifications in this new normal of, of remote, you know, training. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of like information in it. It wasn't like it was a self-paced course. It was probably like maybe like four or five hours worth of material. But then there's, and I'm going to give a shout out now. Uh, there's a guy named Chris Lee. Um, and I know that's a really like generic name. I went to high school with a guy named Chris Lee as well. But um, <laughs> um, uh, so two shout outs, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh I'm thinking about taking his course that's specifically designed around how do you become a better trainer and facilitator and and creating material and whatnot. His website, oh man, I wish I remembered it now. Let me pull it up because. Um, so while you're pulling that up, uh, that's really interesting. And I did not know that about CSTs and that process. What I do know more of is the PST because I've, I've worked with them on the back end more. Scrum.org has a different approach in that they provide you with the materials and they're very rigid on making sure everybody gets the same material. Yeah. And, you know, I go back and forth on the fence on that one because I've like, I, I don't remember my CSM, but I remember it hit me and I and it made a big mark and it impacted me. But then I took my ACSM and I remember feeling like I learned nothing new. Mm -hmm. It didn't, like there were no aha moments. Now, granted, like I had been around the block like numerous times by that point. Um, but then I recently took my CSPCSM with Arlen Bankston. And I just remember being like having my mind blown, right? Like the, the idea of them not providing the CST trainers with a concrete deck to me, there's a pro and a con to mm -hmm. that, right? The, the, the pro to that is, is that you get diversity within the way that people are, you know, presenting the material, right. lots of different exercises and activities out there, which really, I think, you know, stimulates innovation within our industry as well. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the other side of it is like, and I don't remember, and I'm not going to say who it was, I mean, I did, but when I took my ACSM, you know, I don't know if it was that I was so advanced at that point that like that the the syllabus really didn't have anything much much else for me to offer or much to offer me. 
um, or if it was that the the material just was kind of like falling flat. You know, with Arlen and what I said to him in the feedback is like a lot of the concepts that you were teaching in the syllabus, like I already knew, but the way that you facilitated the class and led the discussions and, you know, asking open-ended questions to help bring us in and have collaborative discussions helped me to then reframe what I already knew into ways that I didn't already know. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciated that about his class. Yeah. But uh, I think some of it is your mindset going into the class too, right? Are you looking for something to learn or are you looking to prove how much you know? You know I definitely, especially early on, got stuck in, in the latter kind of mindset of like, this is just a checkbox for me. I've already been doing this. I already know all this stuff. And that's never a good approach to take with it. Now, with the CSM, I did try. I remember like try to look for things to learn and I did get some, some nuggets of information. Angela Druckmann was my, my trainer for the CSM and she had done like work with Intel and she had some really cool applied conversations and stories. But for me, like I had already been a scrum master for three years. I'd been in agile for a minute, uh, BA, QA and scrum master. And so, and I already had my SASM from safe. So I felt like I already had a lot of those things. For me, it was more of that checkbox. And then the PSM I had to take in order to move on to the PSM2 and PSM3. And it was very much a similar feeling. But I was also sick during that. Like this is before the pandemic when we went to work when we were sick. Some some uni hate emails. Uh, But I was sick. And so like I remember like barely being able to keep my eyes open. So that probably didn't help. Yeah. Well, um, you know, real quickly, just getting back to it, Chris Lee, Spark Plug, Spark Plug Agility. He's got a great program. I'm, I'm considering signing up for it in January. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to throw out there along those lines is uh, coaching from the back of the room training. Yep. You know, that's really valuable as well. And I've, I've considered looking into that. But getting back to what you were just saying, you know, the worst thing to do, I think, is to get the certification just to have the certification. Um, I see a lot of that, right? Like, um, got to collect them all. Yeah. And well, not just necessarily, I mean, I have too many, right? I'm, I'm definitely like, I could be considered a collector, but, um, um, but I've been very strategic about the ones that I've been collecting. And I always like, you know, whatever you go for training, it's, you've got to research the instructor, right? Because that's what's going to determine the material, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, and how great of an experience it's going to be and what you're going to get out of it. So, um, you know, I tend to look for training with specific people because, you know, I, I want to soak up some of what they've got, you know, um, which is how I got into uh, the Lisa Atkins training course that um, Agile Mastery um, is running again as well. Awesome. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's all about the trainer. So- now, you know, the other thing to think about, right? Now we're just talking about the Scrum Master certifications. What do you know about like, you know, I, I did get my CSPO and I think you have that as well. Uh, um, I, I have right? my PSPO. Or PSPO. Yeah. So I have the Scrum.org version of it. The Scrum.org. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wish I knew more. I, I So I recently finished up uh, McKinsey um, has their product academy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very basic product academy that you know talks about like um, the different stages of product development um, and you know 
whether it's viable or feasible or desirable and things like that. It was interesting. It was good. Um, that's definitely, I think, like a certification that I didn't learn a whole lot in it. I knew I wasn't. I did it because I wanted to have a McKinsey certification mm-hmm. and it was free. What about some other, do you know of any like training boot camps f- specific to product owners? Um, so, well, I do want to say first, there are other companies that offer scrum training too. And my opinion kind of on it, and maybe it's elitist, is you choose one of the ones that the founders own, right? Like nobody's going to know the material better than the people that wrote it. Okay. So let's go back to this then because <laughs> that, 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 that brings up something really important, right? I forget how many founders, but there's a good amount of founders out there that are like, safe is not agile, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of people who say that, but you know, I think that safe definitely has its place in the world. Um, I think that safe definitely is agile. It's just that like we were talking about this earlier and I'm cringing saying this into a microphone that's being recorded, <laughs> right? But like, there's nothing in the scrum guide that talks about scale. And then you've got Nexus, which is great, mm-hmm. right? Nexus is fantastic, but like, you know, okay, so it could scale to what? I think it's like three or six teams. Oh gosh, you're gonna put me on the spot now because it's been a minute. I think it's six. Yeah. Um, well, either way, three or six teams, it's not a whole big difference between the two, right? But and so like, the, let's say we, we had an enterprise level organization, one that was founded before the technical revolution, right? Um, you know, like uh, GE or Johnson & Johnson or, you know, any of these big companies, right, that have been around forever that still, you know, fund technology as profits or cost centers and their business units is, as profit centers. And so like, you know, we convince them to say, all right, this project that you're working on, it's, you know, really a product. And, uh, you know, let's organize into three to six scrum teams and use the Nexus framework. And that would work really well. I really believe that that would work really well, except that like literally one degree above that team is likely going to be a program manager or maybe multiple program managers and lots of business stakeholders who are funded out of a a profit center who don't know anything about Agile Mm -hmm. and they don't care about it because all they're doing is like back of napkin, scratching out like a set of requirements, chucking it over the fence, Um, you know, that this is the thing that the engineers do you know, I don't know technology. Yeah. Let's let them figure it out. And, and to me, the reason why I think that safe is agile is that it's the only method out methodology that I know of out there that really has a tiered approach that allows for an enterprise organization to glom onto the agile synapses at their level, right? Um, um, yes, it's not a lightweight framework, right? And it is a heavy process and comes with heavy tooling, but I still believe that it improves individual and interactions, you know, over processes and tools significantly. Because the reality is, is like a company that big can't sustain on just the scrum guide alone um, or less or disciplined agile, right? Like, and I'm very, I I get heated about this and I'm passionate about it. And um, so- I didn't know if we were going to go there or not, but we're here. We're going to jump around a bit, I think. So uh, first of all, it's nine teams in Nexus. And I knew that. I almost said it, but shame on me. Uh, Okay. I was more referring to not necessarily other flavors of Agile, but there's a company, Scrum Inc., 
And I've seen other ones out there where it's like, it's not Scrum Alliance, it's not Scrum.org that are teaching Scrum. And those are the ones where I'm like, eh, I personally would not go that route. I would, like I said, I would choose one of those two. Now, if you want a different framework like SAFE, I wouldn't get training from not the Scaled Agile Academy. Like Dean Leffingwell is a huge Agile nerd, right? He loves it all. Whether or not people love him in return is is up for question, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Scrum Inc., right? I have no idea what the quality of that training is, what they're, you know, I, I don't know anybody who's come to me and said, oh, well, you know, I, I've got my Scrum Inc. certification. You know, I've seen it pop up on LinkedIn where I see somebody on my network and they've got whatever the Scrum Inc. Scrum Master certification is now. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been anybody that like caused me to scratch my head and be like, I want to know more about right, this. Right. Um, so, you know, if prove me wrong. But yeah, like, yeah prove us wrong. Reach out to us. Tell us how great it is. Maybe we'll have you yeah. on. Um, yeah, I mean, like I haven't, like, have you heard anything about any of the founders making commentary on the validity of, of Scrum Inc? Um, well, I mean, we play golf every Sunday and it just hasn't come up. Um, (laughs) that's because you're so focused on, on your, uh, your short game. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) no, I haven't really heard it come up in, in any, I like, I can't even say I've had a conversation with trainers about it either. And I don't know if they would openly say anything because they're nice people, but we don't have to be yeah. nice. It's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like riding, riding a moped, right? Unless you're European, you don't want anybody to see you riding a moped. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up like about SAFE, right? Or maybe not even specifically about SAFE. Let's just strip SAFE out of the equation. You know, we've got um, Scrum Alliance and and Scrum.org that are making great training programs, Mm -hmm. right? Like whether or not the CSM or the PSM is better is like, you know, debatable by a couple of fractions of an inch, right? As as far as I'm concerned. But um, it all depends on like circumstance. And, you know, the the PSPO or not the PSPO, is it the Scrum.org is the PSPO? Yeah, everything's professional Scrum for the most part. So it's PS. So PSPO versus the CSPO, right? Like they're great programs. I, I don't think they specifically, they're designed for somebody who already knows how to be a product owner, I think, to be an agile product mm-hmm. owner. Um, you know, but we have a gap, right? The, the Scrum Alliance and, and Scrum.org have a gap past that, right? Because, you know, what's the, what's the training program for developers to learn yep. how to be a developer on a Scrum team? Or the training program for an architect to learn how to be an architect in a, you know, in, in yeah, that kind of organization, or you know, there's a huge gap. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, we can, like, I hate to say it this way, like the project manager is kind of lateral to a scrum, not lateral. The the trans it translates to a scrum master, right? In that, like, if you're a project manager and you want to become more agile and shed your your PMP kind of. Um, way of thinking and whatnot that maps to a scrum master yeah. or maybe a coach or, or, a PO. Right? Um, or PO. Yeah, potentially yeah. you're right. Actually a PO. There's a lot of similarities there. But program managers, people who are at that layer, mm-hmm. right? What does that map to? Right. And, and I feel like that's why I like safe is because safe has 
those synapses that say, all right, you're senior leadership, you're an executive stakeholder. Don't just sit around twiddling your thumbs. Here's how you play the game with us. Yeah. And we've got material to to teach them how to play the game with us and and it draws them in because that's what we need, right? We need executive level and business stakeholders to be more drawn into the agile transformation. Scrum.org and Scrum Alliance don't have that, you know? Not a not in my opinion, not where it needs to be. So Scrum.org does have professional agile leadership. The, so there's the PAL-E and there's the PAL-EBM. Oh, yeah. Uh, evidence-based management. They also have the professional Scrum developer course. Now, they don't really offer that because nobody wanted to take it. So like, I have the certification for that because I waited a long time for my trainer at my company to be able to sell a class. And he had to keep canceling it because nobody... I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but nobody wanted to take it. So like he doesn't work at our company anymore, but, um, and it was much more involved. They actually showed coding in it. So I've read, I didn't get to experience it. And so I ended up giving up and taking the class. And when I took the class or, or the, the test, I felt like it was slightly more technical than I would expect a scrum master, just your average scrum master to have to know. There's definitely stuff in it that I feel most scrum masters should know. And they don't. And that's maybe another conversation. But there were some things in there where I was like, man, like, you definitely don't need to know this. But because I didn't get to experience the coding part, I don't know how hands on it really went into these ideas or if it was all super high level. Well, okay. So, like, I remember my transition from being a project manager to a scrum master, right? And like, it's this awkward place where, you know, you, like one, if you haven't seen it work, right? If you haven't seen worked in an organization that is running Scrum and in a, in a healthy way or semi-healthy way at least, right? It's all just like conceptual to you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I remember, like, you know, I was a project manager for many years and and trying to figure out how I was going to cross that bridge. The thing is, is that the Scrum Master certifications, whether it's the CSM or the PSM, that's the other end of the bridge, right? Yeah. And and so it gives you this anchor point to cross and go on that agile journey on the other side of the bridge. You know, I think that we're not really mar- like they're we, we they're not really marketing marketing uh, these leadership level courses properly um, in a way like we need to get courses written in a way like in a bridge like way that says. All right. If you're a program manager, here's a lesson plan for you that'll help you cross the bridge mm-hmm. on your agile journey, right? Or your portfolio manager, you know. And I know that like portfolios and programs, like that's not Scrum, right? Yeah. Like it's not. Um, but it's unfortunate. Like that's the world right now, and we've got to transform the world, right? Like. Yeah, it would be amazing. Like we could start a new company today and we can probably have like maybe 15 employees when we start or three employees when we start and we could decide to use Scrum. And we have an opportunity to scale up into a organization that has Scrum within its DNA, Mm -hmm. right? And we would probably never have a portfolio. We'll probably never have a program. You know, even once we hit the 500 employee mark or thousand employee mark or, you know, 
like we'll just have value streams, right? And we would hire people on the business side, not just for their subject matter expert and their specific area of business, but also for their their technical competency, for their product development competency a bit, right? Mm -hmm. And likewise on the technology side, like we would hire great technologists, developers, engineers, testers, not just for their subject matter expertise in, in, in developing code and testing code and architecting um, frameworks and whatnot, um, but also for their business competency, right? Yeah. And the thing is, these enterprise companies that were born in the, the pre-technical revolution age, they've got such deep-rooted silos that are like planted deep in the ground with so many levels, like we've got to meet them where they are, right? Lisa Atkins says, we need to meet our clients where they are, not, not in opposition mm -hmm. to who they are, right? And if we keep on running into the room with like the scrum guide, the scrum guide, the scrum guide, the scrum guide, that's not meeting them where they are. And, and you know, we got to accept that these companies are already scaled. Like, yeah, how do we descale them? Yeah, well, the scrum guide keeps getting smaller and thinner. And so it doesn't hurt as much when you smack them with it either. So it's just not effective. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's actually one of my complaints of Scrum. You know, when we look at the statistics out there, you know, Agile is prevalent. At this point, pretty much every company is trying it somewhere. And most of them are either doing Scrum or doing something with Scrum or based on Scrum. It's like 80 some percent of organizations are doing some Scrum-like agile approach, but the scrum guide is very small. It's very lightweight on purpose. They want it to apply to everyone. But the problem with that is that, right, it's agile software development. We come from software development. There are things like we just discussed, training developers, training product owners or product managers, right? If you're really in software development field and you're not just doing scrum, you have managers, owners, a, a scrum thing that gets overlooked and, gl and glossed over. And then I think that's where we get these dangers of someone like a project manager, we're picking on them today, uh, gets this certification and they're like, I know the scrum guide, I know agile. If we just implement this framework, check the boxes, we're now agile. And there's so much more to it. And that is the thing that I appreciate about safe is that safe seems large, seems massive, that's because there are so many best practices and so many things that you need to be doing across multiple disciplines, multiple layers, multiple roles to truly embrace agility. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, all of the, the different competencies of SAFE um, and, and the material they provide really has the information that you need. You know, you can't turn the ship around overnight, mm -hmm. right? You can't transform a company overnight. It takes time. It takes time to... to have these failure experiments and and try it on for size, see how it feels and see what you're doing well, right? Um, but yeah, it's the only framework that I know that is attempting to try to meet an enterprise level company where they are. Now, something you said earlier triggered, um, you know, I recently read Jeff Sutherland's book, Scrum, the Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. time yeah. You know, and he talks about the uh, use case at the FBI where, you know, um, he downsized the whole division mm -hmm. that was building uh, the, the software to like, I think like 20 people and they were able to get it done. And, and it's like, okay, that worked really well because you had somebody who was 
you know, proven industry thought leader to be able to step in and say, all right, here's where the buck stops. This is what these guys are going to do. And this is what you guys are going to do to support these guys. And this is how you're going to leave them alone. And this is how you're going to engage with them. Right. And that role, that person isn't always there at the enterprise level company. Uh, because yeah. They, you know, and, and, and is um, that coaching? Right. It's telling yeah, at that point. It is telling at that point. But, you know, I think that like, yeah, I think his role, it sounded like, was not to come in as a coach. It was to come in as a delivery teacher. I don't want to say manager, yeah. but, you know, delivery vice president or whatever that is, you know, uh, whatever level it was. And, uh, you know, just like enterprise level organizations have so many silos now, so many layers within the silos. You know, you could put that one person there, but there's, so many other silos that have the ability to like circumnavigate that one person, you know, because you're working across seven different, nine different silos, right? With other VPs. And when a VP crosses over the silo to three levels down and, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to run that kind of block. It, it really is. Like, I'm not saying you can't, you know, obviously you can, but the circumstances need to be right. And it's very rare to get a unicorn project. For sure, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, several topics in this conversation that we could go down, but I, I have in the past called SAFE a gateway drug to agility more than once because I see that. And I think that's kind of the argument you're making as well. And I'm also a big fan of like Shuhari. We love to steal Japanese phrases in, in the agile industry, um, or I'll say Bruce Leeing it. Right? Like you learn from the master, you apply the framework and once you get the experience, deviate. And I'm a big proponent of that. But you need a place to start. And, and that's the value of these frameworks. They give you that place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the like last thing I think on that topic, right, is um, it's just something I've been thinking about recently. But, you know, SAFE is designed where your teams could be Scrum or Kanban teams, mm -hmm. right? You know, and then like Scrumbon as well. Like you know, I've I've done some Scrumbon teams, but I don't see why you couldn't have like Nexus from the team up, right? Or sorry, team down, right? As a model within Safe or Fast is another one. I feel like mm -hmm. you could embed um, Fast qualities as a team um, in Safe. You know, to me, Safe is. Things that happen from the waist up, mostly, you know, it assumes that your teams are running agile or running Scrum. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't discount the fact that you still need coaching at that level and excellent Scrum masters. But you know, to me, it's really a waist up methodology. Yeah. Um, but you know, to put a button on that because I think we went down a rabbit hole a bit. <laughs> like uh, to me, I think the biggest thing is that. There's lots of different flavors of Agile, mm -hmm. methodologies rather. There's one flavor of Agile. There's only one flavor of Agile. Um, but there's lots of flavors of, of Agile frameworks and methodologies out there. And it breaks my heart to see people arguing about whose is the best. Right. Right. Like I've, I've got no shade for less. I've got no shade for disciplined Agile. Um, I think the, the Scrum Guide in its simplicity is has a lot of perfection to it. But I think that in its simplicity, 
because it's so simple, like as you said, it leaves room for interpretation mm-hmm. from the waist up. Like, what do we do from the waist up? So, um, to me, the last thing that I really want to say about like the, the the safe and everything else thing is that just try stuff, right? And and don't don't uh, don't throw shade at other agilists. Ask them, right? Like, kind of like you know, we threw shade at at, at Scrum Inc. And that was probably <laughs> bad of me, you know. Right. Um, yeah. So I apologize for that. That's an example of what I don't like. You know, I don't like when people are throwing shade at other organizations. It's I don't know anything about it. You know, like, I, yeah. you know what? I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a commitment to learn a bit more about Scrum Inc. Okay. and and I'll come back to a podcast episode. Right. So, but let's get back to the topic because um, yeah. you know, I think that we should, you know, examine. A bit so, more what we were so talking about. the reason we went into the safe conversation is you were talking about right the the training for leadership, and so for um, my organization and my trainer has introduced me in this past year ish to lean change management and management three point and other things I'd heard around they're still kind of newish, and he really brought them in and, and brought them together for me, and that is the training that I would recommend for a leader. Is management 3.0. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. It was eye-opening in some ways. Even someone like myself, where I feel like I'm a pretty experienced agilist, pretty mature. There were still things where I struggled with. I'm like, oh, I gotta like really reflect on this and potentially remap my thinking if I believe this to be true and if I believe this to be effective. But it, I mean, that's neither. That's none of these other organizations. How do you yeah. even know it's out there? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. It, it is true. Like, how do you know? Well, you know, it's out there from consulting firms like yours mm-hmm. that that are aware of these things and bring them in. Um, but I don't think that they're aggressively marketing that kind of program in, in a way that 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 we need. Like, like I really feel like we need governing bodies of these kinds of organizations to partner with us because in in order to descale, we've got to meet them at scale, right? Yes. Like, yep. if if you don't build the, the the stairs to the to the top floor there's no way people are going to be able to walk down it um right. you know if there's a if that jump is really big to take to get to that first step mm-hmm. where you got to like you know put on a harness or whatnot nobody's going to take the first step um so yeah i think that's a gap for us yeah you know? i mean so my lean change management training i've been struggling to try to remember the person and the true like concept of it but the gist of it is that you can't take a complex system and change it to another complex system you have to descale it first and, and so that's yeah. the idea there and that is the argument against going like a safe route is like we need to break things down first um well but i disagree with that because you know like in theory, I wish that would be true. Mm-hmm. I, I like I agree with that in theory and concept. I should say, right? In theory and concept, right? Like for, so, for example, right? Like I showed up on a engagement once, and there was like twelve BAs and five POs and two PMs and like nine or ten Scrum teams, and you know everybody wanted to know what their role and their responsibility was right like well what do we do with all these BAs like and sometimes it's like all right well you know where do you best fit in like are you actually a PO are you what what is where do you fit right yeah. like BA sometimes maps nicely to a PO right sometimes, uh, much yeah. like you know from a skill set perspective yeah. 
But really what you're saying to a company when you're saying you got to descale first is let's either fire yeah. or or you know convert certain employees into the roles that this framework says before we've even tested it out whether or not it feels good for us before we even like we could provide all the like so we could fire the people that are unnecessary or better yet yeah, we we give the training to everybody mm-hmm. right then we determine who needs to go right and i'm not advocating for this yeah. but you know then we determine who needs to go or who needs to be moved now we put them into the place that they need to be from a descaling perspective. We've now descaled and now we start developing. Well, but wait a minute, like what company is going to stop developing, right? Like you can't yeah, descale. CEO can do it all. At- <laughs> so yeah. again, that's why I get back to safe, you know, like maybe hopefully in like version 6.0 of safe, like they add, like, all right, here's what happens once you've gotten really good mm-hmm. at this, right? Like, here's the pathway to now descaling. Maybe that would cool the jets of some of the naysayers to saying it's not really agile, right? It's because at the way it looks like right now, right? It's like, it's not agile, right? It's not scrum. It, it's a very big, you know, like you said, a gateway drug. Towards <laughs> yeah. It, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, we talked about this in, I think, my background episode for lean and is that like what is the bottleneck and i I think what we are saying and what you're saying is that the bottleneck really is getting leadership and getting a large organization on board getting them to start trying this stuff and so i would agree right we have to we have to truly paint the picture of what our bottleneck is and not get so hung up on this is the one thing like you know you're not scrum to the book so right? You're not agile. Well, most companies aren't scrum by the book. Like, let's just be honest. And, and that's an argument of safe too. Like, oh, well, the product owners aren't truly empowered. How many organizations, listeners, how many organizations have you worked in where your product owner was truly empowered and it was the only job they had? I bet it's very slim. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen that. I, like I've really never seen that put into play in that way where the product owner had full autonomy to explore their space and um, come up with you know problem statements and hypotheses or hypotheses and develop their own personas and customer journey maps and or user journey maps and um, empathy statements and stuff like that. But I know that there are companies out there that empower their POs yeah. or maybe product managers to do that. Probably not Fortune um, 500. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, safe doesn't. I mean, safe encourages it, right? But but you know, safe encourages a product product owners to work with the product manager to work in that way, mm-hmm. and it encourages the business stakeholders to make the space for that to happen. But I feel like that's some really next level stuff that um, it's like it takes high maturity to trust a system for sure to that degree. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I I think of Marty Kagan every time we talk about product management, and product owners. Speaking of other training that's out there, the Sun Valley Group that um, they offer training. He's got books out there, Empowered, Inspired. Um, there's another one I'm not remembering that are really great resources. But Marty, talking about being negative, Nancy hates Scrum. Like if you do Scrum, if you say Scrum, like I'm probably going to get a nasty gram from him if I'm ever big enough for him to know that I talk about him because he's like, keep my keep my 
Keep my wife. I know he hates safe, but does he? He hates scrum too. I thought he likes scrum. No, he's he's against all that stuff. So he's okay. Right, he's gonna Will Smith me for for putting my <laughs> his name in my mouth. But uh, it's it's one of those things that yeah, I don't I don't get the shade, I don't get the hate, and there's a lot of value there as well. But I've never taken his courses, so I don't know if his courses yeah. are good. I do know, and, and this is kind of. I would say my complaint of a lot of these organizations is that they typically are no longer practicing. They're now in the education industry. And so they're reliant on people who have experience. Uh, a lot of trainers like in Scrum.org, they're still expected to do work with clients to continue to have experience, but a large portion of their time is as a trainer and with a trainer mindset. And they get so hung up on only, only approaching things from this way. Well, and you know, that's where I think a great place to land this is, is that it's the external communities of practice that you can find as a scrum master or as an agilist, right? So like I brought it up a bunch of times. I'm part of the agilemastery.com group. Um, it's a wonderful community of scrum masters and agile coaches. I don't think we have too many like developers or engineers in there, but it's a community of practice. And we've got people of all levels of maturity and skill set. We've got some project managers in there who are interested in becoming more agile-like. And so in augmenting, whatever whatever you choose, whatever certification you choose, that's the biggest thing, mm. right? Is finding your external community of practice. Hopefully you'll find an internal community of practice as well for other scrum masters or other product owners. But uh, you're right. Like, the trainers who are now just educators, right? Or the the, the, the godparents, our godparents mm-hmm. who are now, you know, they are a little bit out of touch. Um, I did take a Marty Kagan course once. Um, and, uh, and I remember being very offended by a lot of it. But I also remember feeling like, all right, wait a minute. If we could remove some of the negativity in what he's saying about the way of working that I love to work in, that it would it would blend really well with it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, there's good information everywhere. There's lots of certifications. PSM versus CSM. I think it's you know you're splitting hairs. It depends on what your goal is, what your outcome is, what you're trying to do with it. For me, I think you know I like classroom training because I get to have that one-on-one question mm-hmm. and answer time. You know, it sounds like Brad, you you like the ability to have something that's cost effective um, and yet challenging. Correct. That, yeah. You know. So, so, but it's the com- it's the community. It is. It's yeah. really getting yeah. out there and doing it, like doing it and having conversations with other agilists, open minded conversations. Challenge yourself to look at things from a different way, to to learn other people's constraints, to apply things in different ways, is the ultimate way to learn this stuff. Yeah. There's so much information out there. Like there's the Henrik, and I don't know if I'm going to say his name right, but Henrik Nieberg's like video series on YouTube. I've learned a lot from that. You know, go on YouTube, go on Reddit, ask other people, you know, what certification they liked. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, like if you're going to do one with a a trainer, ask them what trainer they liked. Yeah. You know, ask them if they like their trainer or not. So, yeah. And well, ask what the ask or look at what is the trainer's experience? Yeah. yeah. Well, Brad, this is the first episode where we've actually hit the one hour mark. We have. And there's a couple of things we didn't even touch on yet. So yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll come back to those. Well, do, 
Do you want to list them out so we can remember uh, them? Well, so the one we didn't talk about, which I think is a big one right now, is IC Agile. Oh, yeah. So, and I mentioned oh. Lean Change Management. I know Lean Change Management has been working with them to kind of port their stuff over there. I, I don't think, um, oh, what is his name? Short? I forget the the creator, but I don't think he wanted to be in the business of certification. So he's working on on partnering with them. You know, there's business agility stuff there. There's coaching. There's a lot of stuff at IC Agile. And from what I keep hearing, it's one of the higher respected organizations in the industry right now. I've taken a couple of certifications through uh, Damon Poole and Lisa Atkins. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the thing that I love about IC Agile is it puts the coach in front of Agile. Right, they teach you like the skills of coaching. Right, most most agile coaches they know DevOps, they know Scrum, they know Kanban, whatever. I've said it before, you know, and then they just add a suffix to coach. Uh, I feel bad that we we, we, did, we didn't really dig in. Yeah, we should definitely dig back into that. Um, maybe we'll talk about an episode of what does it mean to be a coach yeah. versus you know an agile coach, and and we'll talk about that one because the IC agile material is really phenomenal. And if anybody's looking for a recommendation, Lisa Atkins, Damon Poole, I've taken classes with both of them. I think they're absolutely amazing. Okay. Um, and uh, they've really like lots of eye-opening aha moments every step of the way with everything that they put out. So yeah, yeah I have uh, Damon's book on my shelf. I don't know the name of it. And then I also have Lisa's book on my shelf. Lisa's is Coaching Agile Teams. Damon's is Professional Coaching for Agilists, Accelerating Agile Adoption. I saw Lisa's keynote last year as well, virtually. It was really good as well. She's got a lot of great stuff. So definitely encourage yeah. her, um, the things she has to say. I've not had her as an instructor. Yeah, their, their coursework is not just like career changing, but like life-changing, right? You will benefit as a person just as much as you will benefit professionally by taking their courses. I can't say enough great things about it. Yeah, and, so. and there's another course I'm trying to remember. I, I had a, a teammate take it where it was very involved, like accredited, like six months. You had to show up. You had to like show the things you were doing. Um, and I know IC Agile has some similar stuff to that. They're more advanced classes, where you, you well, have took, to yeah, show that you're doing it. So I have my ICF, International Coaching Federation Associate Certified Coach Certification. And that was, um, I probably could have done it in one year, but you know, I elongated a bit, a, you know, a bit more. There's lots of like uh, classroom time. There's lots of small group in between the classroom time. And, and the, what that certification focuses on is it has nothing to do with Agile. It's just, how do you be a coach, right. All right? And now a lot of them are geared towards like life coaching. Uh, so you've got to pick and choose the right one. Um, Damon does have an, an ICF ACC program as well, uh, which I didn't take and I wish I had because that one would have been really valuable. But the one that I took was um, completely agnostic to Agile mm -hmm. and um, it was focusing on core energy coaching in that uh, everybody... It's everybody's, it's your thoughts and your feelings either lead to action or inaction, mm -hmm. right? So how, and, and that's true in the workplace, right? Like if you're trying to, to influence uh, change, right? They're going to have some sort of emotional feeling about like, 
that change. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's distrust. Maybe it's you know uh, jealousy. You know, then they have thoughts based on that as well. And helping people to understand and speak about their thoughts and their feelings will help you to coach them to drive them towards actions. So yeah, and I had my CAT and ENT, so the not as applied versions, right? More the classes, the introductory prereqs for that from my teammate, Ken Rickard. Uh, try not to plug my company too much in this, but Ken's an awesome dude. And he does take more of um, like a business agility approach to it. So it's less just coaching in general, although it's very heavily on that. Um, and it's more on, you know, how do we, how do we introduce change into our organizations at a leadership level? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Now we've gone yep, over yep. the hour. I didn't even mention I PMI yet. It up. So that's a whole yeah, other well, one, but maybe it's for the best. Yeah, we, is, we've already kind of, you know, dumped on scrumming. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I think we've said enough. I think that this was a great episode. Brad, thank you so much for being my partner in podcasting. Thank you, Drew. Um, yeah. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. And we'll be back at it recording on uh, on Monday. We've got some time. Yes, we do. Yeah, we got to wrap this up and get this out to people so that you can tell us how awesome or great we are. Yeah, this is the seventh episode, the seventh episode. So we've got three more to record before we're going to launch. And so if you're listening to this right now, we've done, we've done it. We've, we've done, done it. it. <laughs> I've the past. Yeah. All right, Brad, thank you so much. Thank you, Drew. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.